Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate, because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups, from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue streams. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. Living a winning culture, building success where others say it's impossible, and what finding a passion, a calling really means. Today's guest has built success in a few different ways, including helping his local community, but is also very transparent about what happens when you try to help others, but end up losing even some of yourself. He has gone from a bench and just a few dumbbells in a garage to a successful gym owner with his own space in a market other people told him was crazy to do and he wouldn't be successful. Please help me welcome Coach Christian Diaz, owner of Envision Fitness and Nutrition, to run the block. Christian, man, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How's it going? It's going well, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course, dude. I'm super excited to dive into several things, some of which I don't even know. So this is going to kind of be curiosity from Cam, pun and hashtags all around, just because um I know what you've accomplished, right? And and I've been able to see a little bit behind the scenes of what you've been building and the culture that you've created with your gym at Envision in California. But I don't know a lot about like the, the backstory or how you started or anything. So I thought that'd be a good place to kind of kick this off is when did you actually start your gym? Because at, at the moment, you guys are crushing it and we can get into numbers and all that stuff uh, if, if you know, if it would be cool, but kind of curious, like when did you start your gym and how did that happen? Because that's something that like, I think people in the fitness and nutrition world always like dream of like owning their own space, but it's really hard to start. So like, how did that come to fruition? Did you just one day wake up and be like, Hey, I'm going to go start a gym. How did that happen? And, and when did that happen? Yeah, it took, uh, so Envision grew during the pandemic and it was very interesting how it was developed because I just kind of got thrown in the fire um, somehow. I mean, if we backtrack back to when I started training, I I started as a personal trainer at a big box gym for a corporation. Um, And I took some notes because I want to make sure I got the dates right. Back in in (laughs) 2015, I had just left New York. I was living in New York for a bit of time. And it just got to a point where I, I needed to change. I needed to get out of there. Uh, it wasn't a, just just a healthy place for me to be in. And so I went back home. I came back home to Wattsville, you know, and, and I've told my story a couple of times. I ended up in my my parents' couch, back on my parents' couch again and, and trying to refigure out my life again. Um, I was bartending at a, at a local restaurant and a guy approached me while I was there and he's like, you know what? I have a gym uh, or, or I'm a manager for a gym. I need some personal trainers. Would you like to come train? And, you know, I was just like, well, the tips back home are not the best. Not the best. It's not like New York. So I was pretty upset at that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. So I left the job and I went, I went to the gym and, and then I just got, I started training people. I had really no experience besides from my athletic background. I, I played uh, division one soccer and so we did get trained uh, weightlifting and, and all that type of stuff. Uh, so I did have some background in that area, but personal training people, I, I didn't have any experience. So it was, it was one of those uh, very low entry gyms. So it was like a $10 buy-in to get into the gym. And then they had a personal training department where the, is where the gym tried to make most of the money. 
And, you know, one of the things they said to us is they didn't believe Watsonville was going to, to make a lot of money in the personal training department. They, they just said, there's, there's not a lot of money here. Um, it's just not going to work. And, you know, this, this manager had this very, uh, he was very driven. He had a lot of ambition and he believed that we could do it. And, and he picked up a bunch of trainers that didn't really have any experience and he started developing them. And that's how we got thrown into the, we just got thrown into the fire like that, you know, learning how to do assessments, learning how to speak to people, learning how to do sales, which is very, very scary um, at the beginning. Um, and over time, we just started developing clientele. You know, we, after striking out so many times over and over and over again, we started to figure things out. We started to understand the right language to use uh, to get the customer to buy. And then once we got them to buy, it's like, okay, how do we train them? <laughs> so <laughs> figuring that out over time and just, just through repetition, it just got better and better. And then I developed a big clientele. I got into the group training as well. And that, to me, that that's what took off because I was able to get so much volume um, right out of the gate. You know, these classes were 30 to 50 people. Uh, so a lot of people in the community got to know me right away. Back then, I was a lot more intense. I was just like that drill sergeant, let's go, <laughs> just all out. And people like that, you know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, a lot of people really enjoy that. And when you get thrown into something like that, well, obviously, you're going to lose weight. So we got a lot of results right out of the gate. And I felt like I was being successful. I felt like I, I, I was doing a good job at that time. And that's something that's very important to me. I want to know that I'm doing well. I want to know that I'm progressing, you know, it kept me going. From there, in 2017, the company decided to let go of all the personal training departments. And I moved into a garage. Um, and that's where I started putting floor in. I started bringing in machines. I think I started with like $5,000. It was like, I laid out the mats. It was like 17 mats, 50 bucks a piece. It was like 900 bucks, something like that. I remember I, I drove like three hours to Sacramento to this like uh, used fitness store. And I bought a squat rack, I bought a bench, and I bought a dumbbell set. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to train people. Um, <laughs> and I, there I, you had go. A, I had a clientele, right? So a lot of the people from the gym that I was training, we were no longer going to have this personal training department. So I was able to bring them over and have a clientele immediately. Now, when you take that, that big jump, right, from getting a cut to all of a sudden taking the entire piece with very little overhead in a garage space. I mean, it was a, Ball it, was a in. Good, it was a good day, <laughs> right? It was a very good day. Absolutely. Um, and then I just started and I just started investing every every month. I think one thing that I did very well at that time that taught me a big lesson uh, was every month I tried to put at least $1000 back into my gym. And so each month I was bringing in new equipment and it, and it started to grow, right? Like I started having all these machines. I was going through a bodybuilding phase at that time. So one of my buddies had a gym in Santa Cruz and he was, he was getting rid of a lot of his old equipment and he was bringing in new equipment. So I was able to purchase some of that. And it was very bodybuilding style uh, at the beginning. Then I started getting more into the functional. And as I started to progress, I started to really understand how people move, uh, what their obstacles are realistically like what works and what doesn't, right? You see some clients who get 40 pounds immediately, but then they rebound, right? And we talk about that very strict diet. And then all of a sudden, there's no, there's no exit strategy or it's not sustainable. But over time, we just got better. And then somewhere along the way there, 
I decided to open up a meal prep company right before like, I want to say like six, eight months before the pandemic hit before March. I think it was in June of, of 2017, something like that. Uh, we decided to open up a meal prep company. We got into the food industry and that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. It was a complete different animal. The food industry is, is something different. Was that, that was something just, that your, your clientele was asking for or did you yeah, kind of just see opportunity there? A little bit of both. So um, one of the things that I, that, I've, that I realized as I was coaching these people and giving them meal plans and, and helping them adjust their food is they, had, they still were struggling with cooking the food. They didn't have time, you know, and at, and at that point I was young and, and I had this mentality of like, there's always time <laughs> and they're right. like, you just don't get it. You don't have kids yet, you know? And, and that was something that used to bother me a lot because I was like, there's gotta be time. Like there has to be time for you to do this. Right. And so I got tired of just hearing this excuse over and over and over again. And I was like, you know what, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to cook the food for you. So Andrea, my partner, she's very good at cooking. She has, she has an amazing skill. And so we teamed up, uh, she created all the recipes, uh, came up with all the food options. And then I just focused on the back end. I focused on creating the website, creating the systems, doing all the sales. And this is our first time going into business together. And when we bring relationships and business, it gets very interesting, right? And we did very well. I think at, at a point we're doing, I think, up to like 30,000 a month in revenue. And that oh, was wow. like, and that was like, is that, is that combined or is that just the meal prep? Just the meal prep. We went Good from like, Lord. we went from like zero to 30, probably within 30, probably within 90 days. And obviously that's exciting. One of the biggest things, the hardest part was managing people and being able to hire people and know who to hire. Yeah. Um, the meal prep industry is very, is very interesting because it's not like you're cooking every day when you're, when you're delivering, you're cooking one day, you're doing all the cooking one day. And then the next day you're packaging. And then we would do that twice, twice during the week. So let's say three to four days at most for a person who lives in California with a high rent, it's really hard to get someone who's committed to just three to four days. And so we, we've, we're everybody's second option, right? We, we, we didn't have the volume enough to hire people for the full week or to give them full salaries. And that made it very difficult to be able to continue to produce because we kept having uh, employees, you know, oh, I have a job that I need to go to, or yeah. it was a lot of, it was like, they were helping us. They looked at it as they were helping us versus an exchange of a job. Right. And yeah. Well, if people have um, never been in that, that industry or the food industry, they don't understand, like, even when you're working with line cooks, unless you're at like a, a top tier restaurant, most of those people have multiple jobs. Yeah. Like, like, as you're saying, it's not the whole, because most people don't pay that much. And mm -hmm. I, I know you, like you probably would have, if, if there was actually the, the demand for needing, yeah. you know, if you guys had a cafe or something where you needed right. that, but even like I worked for a meal prep company and we had a cafe and it was the same thing though. Like the most, you know, our, our owner wanted to pay was like 12, 15 bucks an hour. And when you're capping people at 30 hours, like that's not a lot of money. So they would work for us and they'd also work another job. And then they probably had a third job most of the time as well on, on weekends and stuff. So if you're not yeah. familiar with that industry, it's, it doesn't pay a lot. And so people are working multiple jobs all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we paid above the minimum wage and I've always, I know what it's like to be a minimum wage employee. I saw my dad his entire life work a minimum wage uh, job. So I wanted to make sure that I paid all my employees above that. 
you know, at the beginning, obviously it was my first time leading a team. I think we got up to 12 employees and I just couldn't handle it. Uh, you know, I mean? it was, I didn't have the skills to manage people. I didn't have the skills to communicate to people because you're pre-ordering a lot of food and you're pre-making a lot of food. There'd be times this process of making food takes, you know, 12 hours. Um, you get to the end of the, to the end when you're packaging all your meals and all of a sudden you're short on food. And then it's like, shit, we're here another two hours. I need to run to the store, go get more chicken or go get whatever we're short of, recook it. Right. And now I have 10 people on staff working an extra two hours that we didn't plan. So we made a lot of mistakes that cost us a lot of money, which was really difficult to keep the cash flow going. And then in March of uh, when the pandemic hit, I think it was like March 19th when the announcement went out, we were just at a point where we were just so frustrated with the industry and, and we tried so many different ways to make it happen that we decided to quit and just put it away. At that time, Andrea had just gotten pregnant, so we had lost our main chef. And it was just like, how are we going to do this? And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned was don't do something that you're not passionate about it, right? Like just because you're good at it or just because you think you can do it, if, if you don't truly like the food industry, don't get into it. If it's just for the money or if it's just because, you know, it's, it's the ego. <laughs> I think at the beginning, there's a lot of ego. Don't get into it because, you know, obviously we wasted a lot of money at that time, but at the same time we learned, we learned a lot. Right. And so I don't think anything goes to waste. Well, looking back, I just want to pause real quick on that. Like looking back, would you like, so there's, you know, right. And anyone listening to this hopefully knows that there's tons of different ways to make money. There's millions of ways to make millions. It's not like it's, I don't want to say it's not hard. It definitely is. But looking back, like if you had to do it over, would you just like not even go down that rabbit hole or would you like try to hire somebody else sooner to take that maybe off your plate? Cause the one thing I, you started that in 2017. So had you moved, were you still in the same place training people at that time and you just add the meal prep or had you already moved into where you are now? Uh, no, as I, was far still, as your I was still in the same, same I was still in place. The same so, place. You, so you added meal prep. So yeah. like looking back, would you just not have done it or would you maybe have like, hired somebody else to like run that and move that off your plate. Cause as you're saying, like, if you're not passionate about something, then right. Probably not for you. Yeah. I think at that, at that time, once again, I didn't have a lot of experience. So it had just not gone into it. Right. If, if let's say fast forward to now that I've, I've dealt with a few more obstacles in my life and different scenarios. And let's say I had the cash to be able to just outsource it, then I would definitely go ahead and do that because that's an added value to my gym. And that's how I originally saw it. Right. But you know how, when you start out at the same, at the, you're doing everything you're wearing. We talk about wearing hats, right? We're wearing every single hat, the marketing, the sales systems, you know, delivering meals or cooking, and then I got to go train. And, and, you know, I think at that time too, I was, I was helping out my, who was now my partner at Envision. He had his gym in Santa Cruz and I was helping him out. I was managing his, his gym. So I was doing like three, four different things at once and just trying to, to juggle all of them. And realistically, I think I was just giving not my full effort to every single one because you know, I'm waking up at four in the morning, going to bed sometimes midnight and with four hours of sleep, it's really hard. It's really hard to function and be efficient, even though at that time, right, once again, that that mentality of like all out, like no sleep and stuff like that, 
grinding, which, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you lead, then you lead to burnout. Um, yeah. and it's just an explosion. It's just a ticking bomb, right? Ready to go off, which is very real. It, it's the side that nobody wants to actually talk about because, you know, like one of the first things you always hear from someone who's quote unquote successful, right. That's made a lot of money. They're always like, I was working 18 hours a day, blah, blah, blah. And I go down. It's like, yeah, like most people that really love anything that they're doing, right. Whether they're passionate or obsessed, whatever you want to go down either rabbit hole, you work those. I worked 18 hour days because I was a manager of a facility. Like mm -hmm. everyone works those. That doesn't necessarily mean though, that it's still not going to lead to burnout and that you just yeah. end up hating what you used to love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, and, and at the same time, I think that's necessary. I think for us to grow and learn, you have to go through that phase. Like when I was in New York, I remember those, the restaurant hours was just 18 hours, right? Managing a, managing a restaurant, bartending and serving at the same time, you know, you're, you're out till two in the morning. And then it's, let's say on the weekend, all of a sudden, some delivery doesn't come in at seven or eight in the morning that we're supposed to. Now I got to come in. And all of a sudden, my day just starts at eight again, and I'm out at two in the morning. And that grind, you know, the, the grind that everybody talks about, I think it's necessary. I think you have to go through it because when you shorten the day, it just you learn how to become more, much more efficient. And I guess if you look at it in a sports uh, way, it's, it's like building endurance, right? You're building endurance. You're building endurance because at some given points, you will have to work those 18-hour days, whether you believe it or not. And you have to be okay with that. And if you've never practiced that before, the first time you get hit with an 18 hour day, I mean, sometimes I see it with employees. They work a 12 hour day and they're like, oh my God, I've had the longest day. And I was like, <laughs> you uh, have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know for six weeks straight and then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And so um, back to, back to easy preps. So that hit, um, we found out we had a baby on the way and, you know, we just, it was also a moment for us to take take some time off everything. We're just always grinding, always on the go. I'm a person that can't sit still, so I'm always looking for something new to do. And it was just good to take a, a few months, right? We all thought the pandemic was going to last a few months. And we just kind of sat at home. And, you know, that lasted like two weeks. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> um, and, um, we got to go somewhere. We, yeah, we... <laughs> We just started working out. So we ended up working out a lot. We were doing like two, two a day trainings and it was fun. It was fun for a bit. But then in the back of the head, it's like, you have this baby coming, you need to start making income. With Easy Preps, I mean, we lost all our cash. And just to backtrack a little bit, just so you get the entire picture of where I was at financially at this point, in 2017 as well, right before the, we opened Easy Preps, we got caught into a big car accident. We didn't have health insurance at the time. So we both took about $120,000 of hospital bills and we immediately went to collections, um, credit score ruined. And so we, we literally spent the last six, seven years paying off debt that wasn't ours. Some of it was also credit card debt that we didn't know when I was 18. I didn't know how to use credit cards and all that stuff. And this is something that I'll, I'll add to later on, which I think is very important understanding financials, right? Like how, how to financial literacy is very important too when you're trying to run a business. But we didn't have credit. So Easy Press was done on just all our cash, right? No, we couldn't get any loans. We couldn't get any, any access to cash at all. So it was literally what we're producing. We got to be able to use it and make it work. 
So when we shut it down, we tried to sell it and we weren't able to. So that summer I had to go back to work and, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic. There was no jobs available. I couldn't train because at the home where I had the garage, where I had the studio at the garage, it was Andrea's mom's house. And so it was just a liability. You know what I mean? Um, it was too risky to bring people in and go against the mandate and, because so California, it was serious. If anyone doesn't yeah, know, like they were literally yeah. they, at the beginning, they were taking throwing people in jail that were like going against mandates and things, right? Yeah, I I don't know if it got to that extreme here, but it was also it was just that gray area. You didn't know if it was going to happen, and I just didn't want to put somebody's house, you know, at danger right, yeah. at that time too. Absolutely. So I ended up finding myself in the construction, <laughs> in the construction world, and. And then I went into putting floors for this big building for NVIDIA, actually. We're in the NVIDIA building. We're building the NVIDIA building. And one of my old clients, he was a superintendent for this big construction company, and, and he was able to get me a job. And so here I am, you know, going from coaching to having a meal prep company to now back in the, in the work industry. And that was a huge lesson for me, too. Once again, going back to doing something that you don't like, right? There's times where you're going to have to make a sacrifice. I did that for about three months. And then I had this moment. I remember I was putting these papers on the floor and it was like, we're putting floors and the floors had these huge holes in them that for vents. And I remember I was putting these, these flyers or papers on the floor and I had to tape them down and said like, do not step on the hole. And I remember being up, I remember being on my knees and, and I remember going in at 6 a.m. and it was 9 a.m. And, and just crawling across the, this entire building at, for like three hours on my knees. And then it just hit me. I was like, what, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing right now? Right? Like, is, is this what it's going to be? Is this what my life is going to be like? Right? Like, I remember Mondays seeing the entire crew ready to go in just just with their head down you know just tired right. just complaining and then friday it's like the whole building was gone by 11 o'clock it was like celebration on friday and i just remember like you know what like this is not for me um i i like hid behind a pillar and i, and I called andrea and i was like you know what would you be upset if if i quit and she's like uh you know like i know you don't like it so just go ahead and do it. Mind you, I had just taken two weeks off because my my kid was just born. Luca was just born. So this was me going back into work two weeks after. And this was like the first day. And I was just like, <laughs> you're like, I listen, I can't do this. I'm so sorry. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I talked to the foreman. And I said, I, was, I didn't even give an explanation. I just said, you know what? I, I need to go. I have an emergency. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even like, this is a I life emergency, sir. Yeah, I got to go. <laughs> I've got to get out of here. And I just remember I, I took off and I just remember I bawled my eyes out in the car. I was just like, what just happened? But it was it was this emotion of, of I think it was relief. It was, it was a big relieving moment. I remember right. I stopped that. I stopped that staples on the way home. I grabbed a bunch of folders. I grabbed dividers, all this, all this office stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to call every single one of my clients when I get home. And I'm going to go ahead and just start my business again. Like, I'm just going to go back to it, you know, screw everything that's going on. Like, I, I'm not going to do something that I don't, that I don't like. And sure enough, I got home, started calling up all my clients, said, you know what, this is how things are going to go right now. 
we're going to stick to online at the moment. And then from there, as mandates open up, we'll, we'll start getting back into training. And sure enough, everybody started saying, yes, 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 yes. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, next thing you know, this was in September. Next thing you know, I have like in a week, like $17,000. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. Like, I, I can't believe I lasted, you know, six months without doing this. But sometimes like you have to go through those moments, right? You have to go through those moments to, to wake up and, and you have to go through that pain to, to be able to realize like, I'm meant for this. Like, this is where, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm supposed to build. I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. It excites me. It makes me happy. And, and I love the challenges. I, I love building. I love fixing problems. And, and that was just one of those problems that I needed to figure out. And I had to go through the struggle to, you know, realize like, hey, this is this is it. And so I went, I, I started taking on some clients later on in the garage. And then eventually it, it like started picking up, started picking up. And then it got to a point where like one day Andrea's mom's like, hey, you know what? Like, that's it. You can't, it's, it's too big of a liability. You can't be here anymore. And I remember I, I took it a little bit personal at first. It was because it caught me off guard. I was like, wait, I was able to do it. Now I can't from one day to another. But it was also sometimes it's that little push again, right? We go back to those, getting those little pushes. And, and it was that push to, to move on to the next big thing. Um, so, you know, the, the, downs, the down moment lasted a, a, maybe a few hours. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to figure out a solution. Um, I need to look for, biz, for buildings and stuff like that. And I was able to find one, but then unfortunately, like I wasn't able to get uh, this building because I didn't have financials or I didn't have anything to back me up to, you know, I was like, I swear right. I have all these clients. They're like, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work like that. You know, yeah, they're like good story, kid. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was very interesting because, you know, it was like that. It was exactly like that. It was these people just almost laughing at you like oh like almost like the pat on the pat on the head kid like all right come on get away um yeah i remember being and, in florida and uh i was trying to open up a spot i had 40 clients and i was renting space off of a gym that was renting off of a gym just for context it was a big warehouse gym it was like traditional gym and then a third of that gym they rented to crossfit it was a local box there super nice people and a third of what they rented, I asked the dude to rent off of and run group classes in that third during specific hours. And so he let me. And I remember going from that to trying to rent space in the in the little town we were in in Florida. It was practically impossible because they they wanted you to have all this money up front and mm -hmm. down and then, you know, bank statements and records, which is great. Like, I understand why they do all that. But at the same time, as you're saying, like, when you're somebody that's just kind of trying to take that leap into renting their first space and grow it out, like you're screwed. Like there, there's not yeah. a lot of options for you. So yeah. what, what did you do or like how this happened? Yeah. Did you have to have like somebody co-sign with you mm -hmm. or did you have to have like something else happen? Yeah. So I, I went to, I went to them, didn't work out. And so I talked to my good friend, Chris, that had the other gym in Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Power Fitness. And he ended up coming in and partnering up with me and you know it was it was great because he's been in business for a long time he had all the all the financials to back us up and we actually went and negotiated and this is where i started really learning the financial side of things and and how this how the world runs right unfortunately and 
we sat in a circle in, in the building and we had these conversations. This is like where I started learning negotiation. He started negotiating prices down on per square foot and stuff like that. And we ended up getting a really good deal on the building, um, which was great. And then it was like, all of a sudden, there we go again, we're in, you know, obviously I had to give up a piece of my company, which I'm okay with. Uh, I think everything has a price and I look at the long-term knowledge that I have now and where it's going to take me. And I think it's completely worth it. And so for anybody that's out there that maybe has a demand already and doesn't have the financials, I would say partner up with someone that you trust. It's not always going to work out, but you know, if, if there's something that you can take away from it, then it's always worth it. And Chris has been a really good mentor for me to help me understand how financials work, right? How the whole world runs, how credit works, how you're able to leverage everything. And it's, and it's been great. You know, he's helped me figure out how to pay off my credit and all that stuff and, and fix my credit score. And so finally now I'm in like in a, in a very good place where, you know, we're, we're going to be able to buy our first home. Um, and it's, and it's really exciting. It's really exciting because it's been a long, long journey since we take it back to 2017. Or yeah, man. Yeah. Oh my god. And, well, congratulations on the house. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, we're we're hoping. Sure. Yeah. You know, California is crazy. Well, yeah. That that's probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so but, you went through. You were able to <clears throat> get this space. And so, like, just for context, how many clients did you have going into the space? And did like any like drop out? Because I don't know where that was from. Yeah. You know, uh, your partner's yeah. mom's yeah, house. Yeah. So, like, did you have drop off, or were you like, no, all you know, forty came, or however many it was. Yeah, it was it was um it was about sixty people at that time. And what, what were you charging to? Just, just so everybody has has understood, were you charging so, like group group prices? Or on, you said you were online online coaching, I believe at that time was two to three hundred dollars, I believe a month. Okay. Um, the one on one coaching, uh, in person, which I'm all about one on one and group training. Like I, I I've never really found myself in the online space. Um, I'm not a person who likes to sit at the desks. I, I like to interact with people, and so that was my that was like where I feel the strongest at. Uh, at that time, I believe it was 280 a month for one time a week training, and then 560 a month for two times a week training, and then it was like seven or 800 bucks for three times a week. And then as we started going through the months, we started raising the prices. I think right now it's at 350 a month for one time a week, 600 for two times. And it's like 800 for three times. So that's, that's where we were at at that time. So I, I was able to bring in 60. I think the first, the first month we did about 19 K something like that. Um, so nothing, not a big change, but that, that first month, it was just on the phone, right? When everybody heard that we're moving into a space, a lot of people started calling in. And so I remember going in at 5 a.m. It was just me and this other guy, uh, one of my head coaches now, Jordan, which, you know, he was new to the game too. And so we got this big, big influx of clients immediately, like within the first 90 days, same thing. Mm -hmm. I think we went from like 19 to 35 within like 90 days, um, just between me and him. And then from there, we started to have to hire more, more coaches and more coaches. And it just took off. It took off for like the first six months. And then there was that big drop. 
Right. And so is this then a combination going from 19 to 35? Is that a combination of one-to-ones and small group type training? It was, it was mainly one-to-ones at the beginning. Um, oh, wow. because uh, the, and it's the, not like uh, you're in Beverly Hills either. Like I want people to understand it's not like you're in Beverly Hills, right? You're, they may not be familiar with your town. You're in a small town, right? It's, it's. Yeah. Um, yeah. The County, I think it's only like 60,000 people, something like that. Yeah. Watson is an agricultural area. So, but there's, there's a good amount of wealth in Watson, I would say. But when you look at it from like the outside perspective, if we're talking about farm workers, right? Low entry jobs. But, you know, early on, I, I paid attention to what people wanted to do. We obviously have an obesity problem. And I think that's just everywhere. But people wanted to change and people wanted to learn. And this is something that I, I, I observed for, for a bit of time, right? My parents, when I was younger, they, I, I'd never heard of them going to the gym. They'd never been to a gym in their life, right? My, my mom was not, oh, I'm going to go get a personal trainer. And I remember when I was in 2017, when, when I started coaching these people, they were all new to it. They, they've never, they didn't even know what a personal trainer was. They were, they were open to listen about it. I mean, we chased them down for like three months before I finally got someone to say yes. And when they started seeing the results, they were like, okay, this is good. And one of, I think one of the things that we did very well, we took care of people and we treated people like people, right? Not like a money sign. And what I mean by that is I'm very big on if you invite me to your party, like now let's go into Hispanic culture, loves to party, right? Loves to celebrate birthdays, loves to celebrate baptisms, first communions, quinceañeras, all these things that they love to invite everybody in, right? I'm the type of person that if you invite me to something, I'm going to go, I'm going to make an effort to go. And I've always been like that. And so I think what we did very well was be able to attend somebody else's birthday, be able to attend their kid's baptism and get a little bit more personal with them in that sense of way where we were connecting with their family as well. And it, and it made it really difficult for people to leave, right? Because now we have this different type of connection. I know about your kid's game. I know about just everything that's going on in your life. And it also helped me a lot to give results because I knew the entire picture. Right. I was able to move different things here and there. Right. So that's I think that's that's what we did. But back to the back to the pandemic, back to opening up one on one, the pandemic was going on. So we were only able to have like 10 people in the gym at most. So it had to be one on one strictly. Um, so we worked the split shift 5 a.m. to let's say 10 a.m. and then 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then in between, it was just calls and calls and calls. And we were just signing people up right and left, right and left, right and left. I mean, I, I probably heard the story of then the pandemic hit and I gained X amount of pounds. I probably heard that a thousand times during those first three months. And so people were just ready to move. People were ready to change. You know, everybody was overweight. Everybody had an extra 20, 30, 40 pounds. And so we rode that wave perfectly, right? We, we got some luck on that side. We rode a nice wave out. But then obviously you have coaches who don't have a lot of experience and we all know how that goes, right? You get this big right. influx of clients, then you get this big drop-off too, right? And I'm talking like 20, 30% drop-offs from one big month to the other. And that's scary. 
that's very, very scary, especially as a new company. You know, you're growing, you're throwing on all this other overhead and employee taxes and new employees. Uh, you're having to buy more equipment because you have more people coming in. And it was tough. It was tough, but it taught us a big lesson to really look at what we're doing. And I think the biggest lesson that I got out of that was investing to your coaches too. And so we started working on our coaches, improving their, their um, working on their development, finding ways to get them to learn everything that I have learned in the past and more and making them better, making them really see the vision. And over the last two years, it's been that it's been learning how to convince the people that I have around me in the vision that I have, and then making it be part of theirs as well. And being able to listen to them and understand where they're trying to go, right? Because you have all these people that you're hiring, right? And, and you want them to grow as well. I don't want this place to be like, okay, we did all of this for Christian. And then that was it, right? Everybody like, screw everyone. We're just employees. I started really looking into what they wanted to do, what their future was, what they wanted to do out of their future. I started passing down information about all the financial stuff that I was learning, how to use credit cards. You know, Jordan, I remember Jordan, his second month he bought, he was able to buy his first car. Then my other coach, Matt, a few months later was able to get his first car. I remember going through Jordan, getting his first credit card and then learning how to blow it his first credit card the first month <laughs> and then it's like oh, okay that's how that works yeah um, but turns you know, out it is easy to spend a lot of money real fast yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's just it's it's been a roller coaster right um well it I've sounds learned- like you've, you've built a, a culture not only for your clients your members but also your employees like where does that come from is that something that you've just always known to do because you said you went from working from somebody else, right. To being told like, Hey, sorry, see you later. But you kind of learned some things about groups and, and, and how to do that. So what made you want to build that up with envision now and and also give back to your employees? Was it that experience where you saw like, you know, in in a moment you could be gone? Yeah. I think a lot of the experience came from team sports and I grew up playing team sports. I grew up playing soccer. Soccer has been my main sport my entire life. And, you know, my, my dream goal was becoming a professional soccer player. And so when I got to college, you know, I've always been the team captain of every team growing up. And so I always, I feel like I always had that leadership skill. And when you go to college, it's, it's, it's this brotherhood, right? You go into this whole new world. I mean, I, I went to Vermont, I went to the furthest state away from California and so it's a little intimidating, right? You're you're a small town boy going into this whole new world. But what team sports taught me is we had thir- a group of 30 other guys that you you fall right into a community, right? And you know, we we eat together, we work out together, we train together, we go through difficult moments together. And this is what allows you to keep going and it keeps you up and and it motivates you seeing other people work harder than you and competing with each other every day just makes each other better. And this has always stuck with me. I'm very competitive and and I want to be able to also create an environment within our friends, within our local community that's competitive against each other. Not not in a way where we want to be better than the other and, and put each other down, but in a way where we're competing with each other and we're making each other better, right? If that makes sense. 
Um, so that Absolutely. I think that has helped me a lot with with my team um, and with our community and just being able to celebrate each other's wins. Right. You have to go further than just, hey, how's it going? Please do this. Please do that. You got to be able to take time off work and, and take them, you know, on a hike. You got to be able to take them for a drive and just get to know people on a deeper level. You're not going to do it in the office. You're not going to do it at the gym. I, that's one thing that I've learned. You're going to take some time, take them to eat and just ask them questions. Um, a lot of times people are going through a lot of difficult moments and we don't know it until we pull them outside of their, out of that environment and make them feel a little bit more comfortable. And then that's where we're able to build those connections and they go a long way. They go a very long way. So I think that's, what's helped us a lot. Uh, having, being able to have those connections outside the gym. Yeah. It sounds like you're just literally creating a culture of winning, which I, <laughs> I always just picture, you know, Charlie Sheen from all the memes, you know, back at what a decade ago now, you know, winning, but that's what you're doing, whether it's your clients actually getting wins inside your gym or not, your employees learning, educating them, but you're also getting to know them, which is a step most people don't take. They, they don't get, they're just like, Hey, make sure you show up on time. Right. Right. Hey, here's, here's your paycheck. Yeah. And, and I think that my brother was the one who made me realize this. My brother was working for me for a bit. He does video production. He does a lot of stuff. He's very, very smart, very creative. And I asked him for help and he started working for us. And we just had a hard time. We had a hard time working. We kept bumping heads because he, he has his way of thinking. He's obviously the younger brother too. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of friction there. Um, so we had a hard time communicating with each other uh, at the beginning and, and trying to get our points across. But one thing that he, he made me realize one day, there was a day I was very frustrated and I was just like, God, these people just don't, don't want to change. They don't want to grow. They don't want to learn. You know, it's one of those moments where like sometimes clients just don't don't do what they're supposed to be doing and, and we're trying to make this a better thing and it's just not working. And he said something to me. He said, you know what? It's not that these people don't want to learn. It's not that they don't want to grow. It's that they've never experienced what you've experienced before. Right. And um, mm, yeah, I, rem I remember we. We're like, okay, agree to disagree, whatever, right? But then I took, <laughs> but then I went home, right? Like, yeah, it's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but then I went home and I thought about it. I'm like, holy shit, like, that is true, right? Like, we're a small town. Most of the people here don't ever leave town. I've been fortunate enough to get a full ride scholarship, go to Vermont, go to an all white school, and experience something outside of just a Hispanic culture. I've learned to speak better. I've learned to deal with adversity. I've learned to be alone in the winter and with no money and figure it out. You know, I got kicked out of my first school and I had to figure out how to get into a new school. And I was able to do that. I go to New York, learn the fast pace of New York, learn about business, learn all these things. And I was like, holy shit, like, if I could just teach all of this to the people that I, that I have and give them the skills aside from just teaching them fitness, I can actually make my community grow. And, and so from that moment on, that's when I got the idea of, you know what, we're more than just a gym, we're, we're a resource center. And I started looking at health at, at a bigger picture versus just, oh, I can't lose weight. And it's like, well, let's look at your financial side, right? Like, can we make you make better decisions financially by educating you about finances? Let's look at what's going on at home. Like, 
do you have a supporting group? Yes or no? Or okay, can we create that for you so that you can come in and get words of encouragement versus going to whether it's your husband, your brother, your sister, whoever it is that you go to home with an idea and they shut it down. And we just started focusing on that. We started focusing more on encouraging people to try new things and just get away from the transformation. We, we really got away from just transforming people and posting people transformations. And we just focus internally, you know? And I think that's, for me, that was a big, that was a big shift of, I don't even need the online world. I'm just going to focus in my community and I'm going to give the people in my community an opportunity to grow. And that's how, you know, we plan to grow this community and lift up this community, bringing knowledge aside from just fitness. Yeah. Well, and you just launched, uh, or I know you launched a website, right. To mm -hmm. start a little bit of that would, yeah. would kind of be like indoctrination, not only what you guys are doing in the gym, but I, I think also you're going to start like a newsletter with that too, right. Mm -hmm. That actually starts dripping out some of those like yeah. educational pieces. Cause I mean, let's be honest, it, it would be kind of hard to be like, okay, you're going to work out from five to six. And then from six to six 30, we're going to have a finance class. And then, yeah, yeah. You no, know, no, no. <laughs> Because I know, especially no. like a lot of your people are are, are busy, right? They're, they're extremely right. busy. Right. Yeah. No. So what I mean by that is we're going to create all these, all these resources for people to let them tap in whenever they want, right? So being able to deliver them in a newsletter form so that they can have it at, you know, on their phone at, at any time. Uh, we're building seminars um, where we're going to be able to bring in financial people. We're going to be able to bring mindset people, further education and nutrition and exercise and all that. That never, that never changes. We've been working with, we're starting to work with local groups, uh, nonprofit organizations. And now we're going more into the youth as well, creating programs for the youth, hoping that in the future we can build a curriculum that we can teach at every school. But the cool thing about this youth thing that we're doing now is that we're happy. We're starting with the high school kids so that we can teach them the curriculum. That way, when they leave high school, they can either roll right into a job or even during high school, they're able to go and teach the younger kids, too. And so a big goal of mine and, and one thing that I always talk about is, is we're building leaders, right? If we're going to lift this community up, we need to build leaders first because I can't do it all myself. And so that's how we've been cooperating with other people, getting groups, other groups involved, and just presenting this vision so that more people can join and then we can really move it forward. So, so it's a big project. <laughs> yeah, a big project to say the least. So how, how many like clients then, so you went from 19 to 35, we kind of covered that, but now fast forwarding a few years, like how like roughly how many clients are you guys at? Uh, your, yeah, we're, we're about... 150 to 175 so it, we've been ranging within there yeah sure and yeah. with with that i mean i know like a lot of your clients stick around right because that's a big thing people are always like mm -hmm. well, well retention like you know i i get influxes three six months then right out. right yeah we have um i have clients that have been with me since 2015 since i started you know the true ogs they never left most of them last anywhere from eight to eight to 12 months it's a little bit all over the place uh, with the price point as well. And just the economy going up and down. You know, we do see a little bit of change, especially right now. But at the same time, for me, one, one of the things that we, we've been trying to work on is, is the price point. But I just don't have the space to really play the volume game yet. Right. We know, we know that. Like, yeah. in order for me to be able to continue 
to grow the company, I need to make, I mean, I need to make some money so that I can reinvest that money, you know, or eventually we're hoping that uh, interest rates get better. And then we're able to take a big, we're able to borrow a good amount of money to, to expand, get into a bigger location, be able to have more, more opportunities and um, be able to bring that price point down. But sure. that's, that's always been on the backside of my head is I need to make this affordable to everybody. And I think that's why we've been getting right now. In the meantime, we're just getting involved with a lot of community service and, and trying to find ways to make this information accessible to everyone, whether they can come into the gym or not. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're very strategic and you can tell because I'd have to imagine even if a gym owner or an online coach for that matter is successful, they're not thinking about expanding or in that realm of like, yeah, and if I get into this situation and can, then I can take out a loan and do this. Cause I don't think, as you were saying, like when it comes to finances, people don't understand business stuff versus personal stuff, right? If you have a personal credit card, that's on your credit credit score. If you have mm -hmm. a business card, while you do use your own personal credit score to get that charge amount is not reflected onto your personal credit. So you can technically like max out business credit cards and it doesn't look bad on your credit score, whereas personal credit does. So it's it's all those little nuances that even as a business owner, I don't think a lot of business owners do or look into. They just think, oh yeah, I need a credit card to go charge things up or yeah, I need to go get a loan. It's like, no, you probably should look into a business loan because that also mm. doesn't affect you the same way. Yes, you have to use your personal credit, but it doesn't reflect onto your personal credit score. So is that something you've just learned from your mentor as you're saying and to, to like really expand your knowledge or has that been something you've been, you know, just kind of figuring out on your own? No, I've, I've learned this from Chris. Chris has actually helped me a lot because usually when I get an idea, I go to him first and then he's like, all right, calm down, relax. <laughs> like, that's stupid. Don't do that. Go, go kick you know, your like, soccer ball around for a little bit yeah. and come back, come back when you thought about it. <laughs> yeah. You've obviously had a lot of time on your hands lately, but yeah, he's, he's helped me with that understanding how interest rates work. Right. And, and knowing like, yeah, if you're going to go into, if you're going to borrow money from a credit card, obviously the interest rates are very high. You're probably better getting a small business loan. But in order for you to do that beforehand, you have to create some revenue and you have to be consistent, right? You have to have a, some years under your belt or someone to back you up with it too. So I think two you know, years is for a lot of yeah, things, even like, even yeah. like a business credit card sometimes yeah, they, they yeah. want to see that. Yeah, at the beginning for the business, we 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 did we ran with Chris's business card or personal card, I believe. And then now recently we we just been qualified for some credit cards. So we've been able to pull our own, right? And then there's obviously the other side of of utilizing those cards, it's especially for a business that has so much, so much spending, is being able to take advantage of like the travel rewards and all of that, mm. right? Which is another source of like income or, or payment that you can give yourself as an employer at the end of the year. So that's, so there's all these benefits that as, as the years go by, um, you can take advantage of, but income wise, like I try to keep my income as low as possible. You know, I'll tell you straight up, like I, I still haven't made money. We can say, you know what I mean? When you look at these big revenue numbers, most of it is being spent back on employees um, and growing the company. I try to pay myself the same amount, if not less than what my employees are, are making. Obviously, I'm taking advantage of the tax write-offs that I have of, of charging expenses like my cell phone being covered and stuff like that. But 
I have to keep an eye on my vision of what I want, right? I want to grow this company. I want, I want this to be a resource center for, for the people. And me having this big bank account, yeah, it could be great, which I think in the future, once I make some really smart investments that I already have in mind in the future coming up, you know, we can get there, but I don't need all this money right now. Like, let's just keep reinvesting it and let's keep growing the company. So that's- You, you don't need a picture of the Lamborghini, dude? What's up? No, no. I, I thought I wanted it for a bit. You know, there was a moment in, in, when I was younger, I, I thought I wanted all that fame, but, you know, fame comes with a price too. And so I've learned to just- try to be a regular person, you know, wear a basic tee, wear shorts, wear my shoes until they run out, stay debt free. And, and it's just, just live a, a very simple life surrounded by people who care. And, and that's worked very well. That's worked very well lately for me. Well, you've thrown around the word leader a lot and you can tell just through that. I mean, it, it means a lot to employees when they see the leader not come in, you know, because they're the ones busting their ass for you. Right. When, I mean, that's like a big relief when you get someone to, that can start working some of those late shifts for you. Right. Yeah. Cause morning shifts are usually like the most amped. That's usually the biggest classes. At least that, that was always my case. The biggest classes, five, six AM, the biggest ones. So I stayed on those. So if I could get someone to take over the evenings, cause when you show up, you know, four 30 to open the gym, turn the lights on, make sure the music's blaring for people to walk in at five, five Oh five. And then, you know, you're working all day, closing up at shop at eight, trying to get your own workout, getting home, as you're saying, at 10 o'clock at night, getting rid of those evening shifts is like a huge thing, right? And so once you mm -hmm. start working that in, hiring employees, now that they're opening mornings, doing the late shifts, it's cool, but they see you drive up in that Lambo, coming with your sunglasses, acting all cool, and they know like they're busting their ass for, you know, decent money, but they don't got your money. Right. That's how people get fucking pissed off real fast. They're just like, man, screw you. I'm working. I'm, I'm running your gym, right? They start getting that mentality. But as you're saying, like, hey, I, I don't really take more than them. But you're also reinvesting all that money back into your gym because of your vision. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's something big. And I think, you know, there, there's a time and place for that, right? Like, here's one thing that I've learned along the way, too. Like, the reason why people can't grow or invest is because they're they're like up to here with credit card debt, right? Especially in these in these small towns, nobody knows how to use a credit card. And um, I mean, I run cards on a daily basis, right? Like the system runs cards on a daily basis. They bounce all the time too. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that just shows you, you know, where people are at. Like, hey, can you hold on my payment until next Friday when I get paid? And I'm like, well, it's Monday today. That's like ten days away, or however many days away and i'm like holy shit like how do you not have money right now right you have a family right. of four and so these are all the issues that i see and so it's really hard you know it's, it's really hard in these small communities but it is what it is and yeah like the whole idea of like you showing up in a mercedes or a lamborghini and stuff like that like everybody sees it it's a small town you can't hide um you know i i like to do I like to give back to the community as much as I can. Uh, right now we're sponsoring local soccer teams. We're giving some of our time to help coach. Uh, when we do a barbecue or anything like that for the gym, it's all paid for. Nobody's going to pay any fee to come in and, and do that. Right. Like, and realistically it's, it's, it's ours, right. Envision is ours is our community. It's not just mine. It's everybody's contributing to it. Everybody's putting in their dollars and everybody should be able to get something out of it. 
you know, one thing that I think we haven't touched on is in the entrepreneurial world, it's, it's very lonely at the top, right? And, and these are the conversations that not a lot of people talk about. And when I can get down to the level of my client and be at the same level as them and just be an equal person, well, shit, I have 170 friends right in front of me. You know what I mean? Like, right, I mean, yeah. I always have a friend next to me. And so I think that's very important too, because, okay, let's say you make it to the top and it's like, well, who are you spending all that money with? And I'd much rather, one of the things and my employees will tell you that, like, we're all going to the top together. Like if, if I'm going, we're all going. Um, so if it's going to take us another 10 years to get there, well then buckle up because it's, it's going to take a while versus just one person riding by themselves. Yeah. Well, and that's something everybody can get behind, right? Again, going back to, you know, leaders eat last or whatever phrase you want to put around it. But, you know, when you actually are a strong leader and you back that up with your daily actions, you know, your employees see that, your clients see that. And more than anything, like I, I think it was Jordan, I was talking about this with the other day, like your clients want to see you win. They, they don't want to mm-hmm. see you struggle. Like they yeah. above all people would love it if you did show up in a nice car, right? They'd be like, I am so happy that you got, you're crushing the gym. You guys have exploded. You're expanding. Like, they want you to win. I think people forget about that. And that's one of the things that, man, like the online world just doesn't get you, right? Especially like, mm-hmm. you know, the cliches open up a Facebook group and that's great. But if you kind of suck at that and you just have that group and that that's it, like, and you're not actually making culture there, you're missing out on all these experiences. And that's why people just bail on you after a month or they go to the next, the next quote unquote macro coach, because you've not created that culture where they want you to win as much as you want them to win. Mm-hmm. that's that's culture right that when your people yeah. ask you dude i've i've asked 12 times why can't i get a t-shirt when are you going to do the next t-shirt run why can't we have tumblers right when are we going to do yeti cups right when they're mm-hmm. literally pressing you every day to be like dude i want this stuff will you get me this stuff please like that's culture right when they're telling their yeah. friends they can't shut up about it every time they run into so and so they talk about you they talk about the gym they try and bring their friend like that's what you've created i've never stepped foot in your gym but I've seen the photos that, that your trainers put up. I've seen your photos. I follow your gym's uh, Instagram. Like you can tell, like it's not faked. It's real. Like the people love what you guys are creating out there. How do you continue that? Because it's one thing just to do it once, right? Or to have like an event or, you know, a challenge and you get everybody excited. But do you just like schedule out and try new things out like every month or like, Basically, I guess I'm asking, how do you like constantly keep that up? Is it just relying on your employees, you know, your trainers to do that? Because that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's a lot, you know, and and I think like one thing we haven't touched on is a family and obviously it's been really hard having a baby. Um, He just turned two and, and running this company the whole time, right? We talk about risk and reward, like there's going to be moments you're going to give up some time. And, and for me, that was very difficult. It was very difficult to become a parent. One, I didn't know what it was like. Two, I had a very difficult time connecting with my son in the first year because I just, once again, we'll go back to this whole idea of like, I like it when I'm good at something and I wasn't good at being a parent. And so I, I was shying away from it because I, 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 you know, I needed to give up some of my time to really invest into my son and and work on those parenting skills and that was really hard at the beginning as he's grown up more and he's developed more and he's speaking now it's just becoming a little easier for me to connect with him and obviously he loves the soccer ball 
and obviously my partner too it's it's been a lot of learning how to recommunicate with each other but we've had this conversation a few times and it's we have to be willing to give up some of our life to be with these people if we're going the whole way um these people have to become part of our family and that's just if we're going to do it we have to commit we have to give up our sundays and and we had to change the look of how we do things versus looking at it as like, hey, we're going to work on, on Sunday. It's like, no, we're going on a hike with our family on Sunday and making sure that Luca and Andrea are involved in all of it too. And so, you know, I've been fortunate in that side that Andrea has been very supporting. But yeah, it's been definitely hard. It's been definitely hard. We Now that we have a bigger team, we were able to bring another employee, Andrew, that has helped us with branding and, and delivering our message the right way and, and how we say things, how we communicate things, how we plan things. Now we're starting to move into that into that section of where we're planning months ahead. But before it was like, let's do it Saturday. Cool. All right, let's do it Saturday. It's like let's Friday. Go. It's Friday. <laughs> But every, all the coaches have been very adaptable. You know, they're they're great. Same thing, like they're working a job where they're finding themselves alone a lot of the time. So they're finding connection with each other is 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 the way to be, you know, be a team. And so, you know, we enjoy our time together as well. And so it's not like, oh, we're just dragging our feet to go do this hike or we're dragging our feet to go do these events. Like today we're gonna go make pizzas, one of our one of our members does these like brick oven pizzas and she invited us over to do like a team event and and build these pieces and so we're looking, oh that's awesome man we're looking forward to it so we're, we're spending a lot of time together outside the gym as well yeah well it goes back into the culture right like this is gonna be hard for some people to hear but once you realize your client's results don't always matter you start opening up those doors right it's a place again a culture that you're building because not everyone's going to have a linear progression of losing 40 pounds. Not everybody wants that. Some people may just yeah. be happy being a little fluffy if you can get them to work yeah. out a few days a week and then give them a place where they can bring their family and feel comfortable bringing their family and then have an extended family. Like yeah. that, That again, I hate to say it for the hundredth time, but that that is then culture, like doing pizzas going for hikes, creating picnics, whatever's locally in your area. Because then if you do tie that to your other members, if they do have small businesses, like boom, now you're actually collaborating, not just with other businesses in your area, but businesses that your members own and that they'd be happy to share. And so you've just now been growing this thing that is just amazing. When you step back and take a look at it, is, is this something that like you're, you're actively again, doing each, each month. Is this something that you just, I hate to say, just kind of like wing it now. Cause I know you're saying, obviously, you know, that that's kind of how it started, but yeah. are you just like actively now, like setting on the calendar, like, Hey, we need a, a team event each month. We need a actual member event each month or, or is it like quarterly? Like how do you go through that process? Yeah, so, like not done those things. So we, we're, we're planning uh, at least some gym event at the at the end of every month and that's some activity it could be a hike it could be a walk it could be a beach day whatever it is at the end of every month so once a month team events i think now we're up to like two a month we're doing uh one charitable event per quarter and then we're trying to do a seminar per quarter so it's a lot <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of stuff but um 
is the seminar for your team, like continuing education or is that for Just the, the gym? For the entire community. And that's open. That's open. So like one thing that, like I said, I want to make this information affordable and, and accessible to everyone. Like I don't charge for a seminar and, you know, obviously everybody has their point of view on that and sees it as missed opportunities to make more revenue. But at the same time, I'm the guy to go to. Right. right. Like I'd much rather yeah. be the guy to go to. And whenever financials work in your way, it's not a question of like, I need to sell you some tactic to get you into the gym. It's like, hey, I'm ready to sign up. Here's my money. Let's go. And that has worked very well for us because like usually when somebody reaches out to us about training, it's not they're not window shopping. They're they've already thought about it for a while and they're ready to come in. Like everybody knows what we, what we charge and we know that we're at a higher, we're at a premium, but that has allowed to keep our, our sales rate very high, right? Like we 80% of conversion, all our sales. We know that anybody that's reaching out to us, we're most likely going to sell. But like I said, I want to make sure that we have information out for everyone. Um, the gyms are full of people not knowing what they're doing. We need to help them. And that's just, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's helping people move forward. I want to see everybody win. When you kind of look at what you've built, and I mean, seven years to have these ups and downs that we've talked about are pretty, pretty insane. Where, where does this go next? Is it just looking because obviously you mentioned expanding. You also mentioned the economy. Uh, and not for nothing, whether or not you want to say we're in a recession, depending on the dictionary and definition, all those things, whatever. But that's very real, right? A lot of people yeah. are losing their jobs, especially like there's a lot of tech companies in California, right? And they're mm-hmm. slashing 20, 30% of you know, their staff. And so when, yeah. when you kind of look at what's what's coming down the pipeline, is that something that that you're already like anticipating and and prepping for when you look to like your future goals? Yeah, so that's that's a huge one, right? Like obviously we're we're aware of what's happening on in the world, which a lot of people don't. It's just like one day they wake up and they're like, "Oh shit, I don't have money. Let me cancel my gym service." Like we're very aware that that's going to happen somewhere along the line. But I think that's where community goes a long way. At the end of the day, people are going to figure out a way to make it happen. And we've seen that, right? And I think that's where like, we talk about priorities, like what do you prioritize more? I need to be a number one priority for everybody else because I'm not just taking away from you. I wanna be able to give back to you as well. So being part of Envision, like we also have a lot of people that are starting their small businesses, right? And and so I wanna help them. I'm gonna take some time off and and help them grow so that they can make more money and that they can be able to keep my service too. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're aware, but you know, it's just, like I said, don't overspend right now. Don't, don't buy unnecessary things that we don't have to take care of the equipment and no, no unnecessary repairs, you know what I mean? But just not taking care of the equipment and just write it out. You know, it's going to be tough, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good coming out of this, right? If, if you understand recessions, which I'm no one to speak on this, <laughs> but from, from what I've learned, right, there's there's good moments coming out of it. Um, there's a lot of space for new new businesses to flourish. And so right now I want to make sure that we have our systems in place, that we're really focusing on our employees and making them better so that when that moment comes, that moment of growth comes, 
we don't fall on our face, right? Like if we're going to take on a big lump of debt, I want to know that we're ready to go for it um, and that we're going to be successful and that we're going to be able to deliver, right? Deliver to all these new people that are going to come in and take advantage of the service. It's just, I, I've learned, man, to slow down. Like I've always wanted to go, go, go. And now I'm starting, as I get older, I'm starting to understand like, this is going to take us some time. It's going to take a long time to get to where we want to. So just enjoy the moment. Enjoy it. Make sure you keep good people around you and just have those difficult conversations when you have to and just keep it real with everybody. Yeah, one of my, my favorite uh, like phrases is always, you know, if you don't see yourself winning, it's because you're not on a long enough timeline. Because as long as you expand the time horizon and you don't quit, you always win. Yeah. It sounds like your goals have just gotten so big to where you're allowed, you're allowing that time to happen yeah. versus being so caught up in the, in the moment to making like an emotional decision versus a logical one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to add that, to add to that, I've also learned that it's not about me, you know, and I think mm. we, we haven't talked about Michael in this, um, but Michael has been a huge help, helping me redirect my mindset into a way of of letting my vision drive everything and and figuring out what my values are and i think a lot of the way i'm speaking now goes to him with a lot of deep conversations that i've had with him about just what's going on in my head right like for me leaving uvm leaving the soccer world it was i mean i was depressed for a very long time and it was just like i need to fix this i need to overcome this and it was like me, 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 ego, ego, ego. And I just need to prove the world that I can do this. But now that it's gotten to this point, I'm like, holy shit, like a lot of people can be a part of this. A lot of people can grow, right? Like the guy who's helping me with branding, Andrew, I mean, he's an amazing leader and I've, and I've been able to step back and let him lead my company and, and educate my, my coaches on how to speak and emotional intelligence and all these new things that I didn't even know about. And, and I've, I've grown from it. I've learned how to communicate better. You know, I've learned along the way that I'm extremely emotional and I didn't even, and I was like the tough guy, right? Like, <laughs> and, and Michael has helped me figure that out too. And I've just, over, the, over time, I've learned to be more comfortable with myself and, and with who I am and just, allow other people to be a, be a part of this and, and just understand that I don't have to be the center of attention at all times. And I think that's, that's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs, um, right? Everybody wants a spotlight, but allowing other people to take the spotlight as, uh, as hard as it's been. And, and to be truthfully honest, right? Like it's, it's really hard to allow others to say, this is what we should do when you're the owner of the company. But when you get recognized other people's skills, and and how they can move the thing forward like at the end of the day don't lose track of the goal like we're trying to grow this company whether it's you whether it's him whoever wants to join in and wants to contribute that has the potential to grow it let's go like you know the more people that get involved the bit the faster we move so right now i'm in a phase where like i'm just hooked on talking to really smart people and <laughs> i'm like i just want to be the dumbest one in the room and fortunately, I've been able to find all these people inside of my gym. 
you know. And, oh, interesting. And so, okay. And so that's been a big thing too of, of hiring internally, trying to find people within, right? Like small town, you're not going to find a lot of tech jobs here. You're not going to find a lot of marketing jobs here. Let's build them. Let's, let's find people that are hungry with potential. And if we do end up having someone who had experience at like Apple or at some big corporation, let's bring them in and let's learn because obviously they know what they're doing. Absolutely. It's always the, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And, together. and that's what it, yeah, that's, that's what that sounds like that you've kind of embodied that. I mean, going back to just leadership, because that, that is something, I mean, I would say over the last couple of years, like you, you hear people being a little more vulnerable about like, you know, entrepreneur and solopreneur, but it, it's extremely lonely, right? Most of the time, whether you own a brick and mortar, right? Gym, shop, doesn't matter, whatever it is, or you're trying to be an online, whatever coach, Etsy store, it doesn't matter. Like a lot, it, it's just you and you're trying to figure stuff out because most of the time you don't have money and you're just trying to make any sale possible and you're trying to get out of debt or you're trying to make sure you have enough to pay rent or whatever it is. And then once you start getting a little bit of money, then you realize, okay, what's next? And then it was all you and you were making the company successful. And then all of a sudden, if you do start to go on to hire an employee and it's not you making the company successful, it's them, you start getting that scarcity mindset. Like, oh, are they just going to like take my company or are they just going to, especially in our world where it's, you know, nutrition and fitness. Oh, if I give them 10 personal training clients, are they just going to leave and take all that money for themselves? Oh no, yeah. I can't have, I can't have that. I've got to be the top yeah. dog. Yeah. And I think, uh, like we talked about the online world, right. And building culture, unfortunately, like that's, that's, that's a big risk in the online world. Like that is 100%. I, we see it all the time. I mean, the fitness mm -hmm. industry is dark. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole side that a lot of people don't know of. And, you know, and it sucks for the clients because I just, I just wish the clients could hear some of the conversations some of these coaches are having behind closed doors. It just sucks, man. It, it, it sucks that people see it that way. And in, in person, you're able to build an actual culture. You were able to build these connections with people. And you know what, man, at the end of the day, if a coach decides to go their own way and build their own thing, go for it. I know how hard it is. I know how, how long it's taken, right? Like if you're, I've had a couple of coaches already try to try to go off and do their own thing. It's not as easy as it looks. It, you're still going to have to, you're still going to have to build a team and yeah, you might get lucky and, and have a big month here and there, but if you don't have the skill set, if you don't have the systems and everything in place, you're going to run into a struggle the moment you have too many clients and then you're miserable and then you're yeah. going back to miserable or you have these high months and then no month high months and then, and so you know but and like i said if, if somebody takes off and grows something big well great like at the end of the day like i'm happy that he was able to learn a skill set where where he was employed to grow and, and to become better and I've never been, I don't think I've been afraid of, of competition in that sense of way where someone's going to come in and take my business. Um, if anything, like, good for you, man. I'm, I'm happy that I can do that because then that shows that I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that means that if I did it once, I can do it again. Absolutely. I think Ted, Ted Lasso, I think in the last, the last, the third <laughs> season, there's a moment where they're, they're speaking and uh, they say a good mentor uh, knows you're going to leave but a great mentor wants you to leave, right? 
And, and that, that's a whole conversation to, to be had around. If you're just trying to go and learn from somebody, that's fine, but just be transparent about that. Everything that you're doing, like if I'm in that atmosphere and again, I'm not 20 again, I've had a lot of life experiences. So I'm in a different mindset. I'm in the mm-hmm. long game for most things, but I would be like, Christian, listen, I know I'm, I'm at X point, but like, dude, I know I I'm bought into your vision. I would love to run a facility when we expand, like how, how can I make sure I'm taking those steps to be in this with you versus thinking like, oh, as soon as I hit like, you know, 20 one-on-one clients, I'm going to try and bail. Right. And, and it's not always that usually it's like, there's been either some sort of like riff between you or like you maybe like, I remember when I just, I, I told one of the trainers, like, dude, like he showed up late again to a group class and, you know, he's in his, like, he was like 22 at the time. And I was like, dude, you can't like, this looks really bad. I understand you don't get it, but like, if this happens again, like I have to fire you. Like, this is your second time being late. I had to start warmups. I'm the one interacting with clients. Like, I know you don't care. You're on the clock class start class end. I, if I have to be the one that interacts before and after the class, I don't need you here. I don't need to pay you. And so is, is that something that you kind of prep any of your, your, your coaches when you bring them on? Is that something that like you have like almost like goal setting, right? You're like, Hey guys, this is where we are. This is where we're going. So it's one thing to like be in that meeting and like, Oh, Christian just pumped me up. But it's another thing to actually like sit down and be like, okay, one, three, five years. Like, where do you see yourself going, you know, off to college or do you see yourself doing something else? Or like, is this what you want to do? Yeah. So I, I usually try to have that conversation right out of the gate. And once again, that's outside the gym. Um, usually we bring them in, right. We get them all set up. And then sometime within the first two weeks, I try to take them away for an hour or two, um, try to take them out to eat or somewhere where it's outside the gym. And I'm able to have this deep conversation with like, okay, where are you going? What do you want to do? How can I help you understand all points, right? Your family, where, where do you have a home? Do you live with your parents? Do you live with your girlfriend? Do you and your girlfriend get along? Like, I need to know everything, right? And I'm not, it's not like just questioning you but like i try to bring up all those points in a conversation to really get a big picture of who you are at the same time i'm trying to understand if you're going to fit within my group right and if i get a red flag then you know um i also allow my coaches to give me the approval of whether we're going to bring this person on board or not if you're not going to get along with my coaches i don't care how good you are i'll need you in there because you're going to be that bad apple that's just going to make things uncomfortable for everyone and I've learned that through team sports. If someone's bad, get them out. Just get them out. That's as, as difficult as that is. But yeah, you want to know where they're trying to go um, beforehand. And now with Andrew coming along, he, he is helping us set up now training systems and all that type of stuff to make sure that everybody's getting on. Every client's going to be on board the same way. But not only that, also every coach gets onboarded the same way as well and and obviously that's stuff that you see uh, at the bigger corporations right there's all these training manuals and stuff like that and so we're hoping that in the next year we can develop all of that so that way you know envision could realistically run without me being there and then just letting people grow in their positions you know? do you have like a checklist of like touch points for your clients uh, or do you just kind of like rely on your coaches just interacting before and after classes? Or is this like, Hey, once a week, everyone gets a touch point. Like how, how do you kind of go about that? Yeah. So right now we're having, we're having two meetings a week with our coaches, Thursdays and, and Thursdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have meetings with our coaches and we, and we talk about all these things. It's, 
and, and it changes, right? So like sometimes for like six weeks, we'll run just straight nutrition, how, how, how to get better at nutrition. Then we'll do how to fix forms, right? Then another time it could be about culture. How do we, how do we get our clients to stay longer and how do we get them to feel part of us? So we're, we're having two meetings a week and you know, at first, once again, it became very like dictatorship, like this is how you do things. Now it's gone more into like an open conversation where everybody has a little bit more experience and everybody's able to give their insight. And once again, Andrew's been able to help a lot with that. But yeah, it's, it's, you, you got to keep checking in with your coaches at all times and with your team and, and remembering, hey, this is where we're going. And, you know, they're all 19 to 25 years old. So, I mean, when I was 19, I was a, I was a little shithead. So yeah, absolutely, everybody, man. everybody's going to party. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so you got to keep that in the back of your head too. Like, Hey, these guys are growing, right? I started this game at 24, I believe. And so some of them are starting at 19. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Right. And if you're able to teach them what you, all the mistakes you made along the way, at, at that at that stage, by the time they're 25, I mean, you know, they'll all be able to run their own facility. And that's one thing that we've talked about, too, is if we do expand to the local towns nearby, whoever wants to get a piece of it, you're going to be able to run your facility in a partnership with us. And that's one of the biggest things is look within your company first before you go outside because those are the people that are building it. I mean, they're, they've gone from day one with you and, and they also need to be a part of it. They, you need to keep them, right? Like think about it this way, like how much would it suck to lose someone at eight years in, right? And then having to lose that experience on the field versus like making him a partner and have him grow another one next to you um, and continue to deliver the standards of your brand and, and the values of your brand, right? Right. It's really hard to retrain. It, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. You got to keep the people that are in inside and you, you need to keep them long term. And in order for them to stay long term, it's got to be worth it. Not only that, like all the time that you've invested, but also like not for nothing, your clients notice when you have high turnover with trainers. That's always one mm -hmm. of the biggest things with facilities, right? Especially if it's personal training. Like nobody wants to constantly yeah. just go and bounce from trainer to trainer because they don't stick around. So not only you're wasting a bunch of time, your clients feel like they're wasting time going back over, buying into the new trainer and their methodologies. Cause every trainer does train different and people like different people. Some people are easy to talk to. Some people, you know, are, are more like anatomical when they train like that. That's people I got along with the ones that loved, like. I was good at analogies and being able to take them through the whys mm -hmm. and the what's, but you know, I, I also knew the anatomy really well. So when I got people who like sciencey, like they love training with me because I would break down muscles and and mm -hmm. and biomechanics with them as we were going, and they were like, "This is awesome!" And I was like, "It's because you're my people. Like I get you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's good when you're able to switch on and off, right? Like in training, obviously one on one training, it's like you're ten different persons in one day right like and you got to be able to understand people's energies that they're bringing in right mm -hmm. sometimes at 5 a.m someone's gonna dump the you know i i just 
I lost somebody or I broke up with this person or like, hey, I'm going to tell you a life story that I've never told anybody. And then here you go. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> third well, thank rep. You in. Dump- <laughs> thank you for dumping <laughs> that on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Three reps in. We're going to 10. Yeah. You're, you're just counting. And they're like, by the way, <laughs> just yeah. lost my job or just broke yeah. up with so-and-so. And you're like, oh, OK, that's yeah. where we're going today. Yeah. And, and that's the cool part about like, I don't think we've talked a lot about on training, but being a personal trainer, I mean, you're tapping into so many people's lives. So mm-hmm. many people, you learn so much just from talking to your clients, right? Like, and Absolutely. it gives you, it gives you perspective because shit. Sometimes I think like I've had a rough life or I had a lot, a, a rough journey in my life, man. Some of these people are like, you're unbreakable. Like you're going through some difficult moments and I, I don't even know what I would do if I was to experience some of the things you're experiencing. And it's, and it's really cool, right? Like the, the loss of a close person in your family, that's to this day, you know, I'm very fortunate that it hasn't happened, but like, I don't even know how I would react to that. And the way I see some of these people just, you know, continue on with your days and fight through it and be able to smile and, and still help other people. It's amazing. And, and, and it's really cool to see it. It gives me, it gives me a lot of hope too. Like, I want to be like that person. I'm able to pick and choose qualities from people, things that I don't like about them and things that I do like about them and just make overall make myself a better person. And I think that's where like, I'm always winning. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, thank you so much for this. But it's in reality, it's like, no, thank all of you, because thanks to all of your stories, I've been able to pick and choose what I like and what I don't like. And I've been able to improve myself through all of you. Yeah, I. I mean, if, if you've ever trained anybody, as you're saying, like one-on-one, granted, if you're like an, even if you're an online nutrition coach, it doesn't matter. Like you've had a check-in where somebody's dumped awful news on you and you're just sitting there like, oh man, but I don't know if I've ever had somebody like leave that conversation, whether or not we worked out that day is, is one part. Like some, you know, some people you could work out and they feel better, but whether or not we actually worked out didn't even matter for, for the most part, meaning that like, sometimes I would just have to stop and I would take that person outside and we would just mm-hmm. talk. I, I always made the joke that I was an uncertified psychologist. So like, feel free mm-hmm. to, whatever you say is between us. I don't talk to anybody else about it. And who, who would believe me if I did, but I think that's an aspect that's not talked about when you go and get your weekends, you know, certification and you start training people. I don't think you realize it's, it's just as important to have people skills and empathy skills. Like looking good is great. And yeah, if you're, uh, you know, if you look jacked and tan, like that's amazing. But if you can't relate to people as you're training them, you're never going to really make it as a coach in this realm. Like, yeah, you may be able to work with your population as in like, you know, stage people or something like that, if that's what, what you look like. But if you don't have that or aren't working towards that connection piece, that, that piece of actually being able to when someone dumps on you to just stop what you had planned and just relate to them and be like, dude, that sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, how can I help her? Like, like what, what's, what's the next steps? How can we work through this together? Like, what do you need versus just worrying about, you know, doing 10 reps on, on bench uh, press again? Yeah. Let's, let's finish up your set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a big one. I think that's, you know, and, and back to the online world, I think if, if you've never coached anybody and you're trying to enter that space, I highly recommend you go to your local gym, big box gym. You want to go somewhere that there's volume. Go get involved in group. Go get involved where you're going to get repetitions and get those reps in. Learn how to deal with people for face to face first, then explore. But at the same time, if 
if you don't feel the need to help without the transaction, you're probably not in, you're not going to last very long. It's going to get really tiring, right? Because when, yeah. when financials become a, a problem and the only thing that keeps you and your job excited is money, then you're going to have a really, really hard time helping others, right? And it's going to look like mm -hmm. a burden on you. Yeah, because you're just being transactional. Everything you do then is transactional. You know, money in, money out. All right, three clients left me. It means I need to pull in four, right? Something like that. Like if I was still an online coach, that's exactly what I would do. If I was doing nutrition online, I would still, I'd run free Saturday workouts. I wouldn't give a shit. I'd just do them locally. Hey, come on, work. Like somebody that comes eventually will tell somebody about what I'm doing and mm -hmm. I'll still make a, a local brand. And that, that's, you know, one thing that at Ily, we try and press all the time on, on these online coaches is that like, you have to go local too. You should be the dominator of your backyard, whether or not yeah. you're global, it does not matter. If you don't dominate your backyard, it's kind of weird. It's just, it's, it's kind of yeah. random that you don't, whether it's, you know, doing partnerships, collaborations, or just events, like you yeah. should still dominate that, that circle. Cause I'm guessing most of us live in small towns. You know, a lot of us don't live in, in big cities. And if you do, you probably live in a suburb of that big city, right? Like not many people live in the heart of Dallas or LA or New York. Mm -hmm. You're in suburbs of those areas. And yeah, there may be gyms or other coaches, but I guarantee you start popping up a once a month free workout or thinking outside the box, like you are on how do I help educate people? Yeah. Maybe two, three people show up for a couple of times, but then word spreads. Hey, this person's actually cool and they're relatable and they're doing these free workouts. They're doing these free hikes. They're getting together. They're collaborating with this shop that makes, you know, coal-fired pizzas. You should come like it's free, blah, blah, blah. Like there's so many different ways to think outside and, and to actually make people want to be a part of something, even if you're online. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, to think that you, you don't have anybody near you and within your block or within, you know, a few blocks of you that you can help. To me, I don't, I don't see that happening. Like, yeah, I get it. The online world is big and there's a lot of opportunity there, but it's also so flooded. And, you know, I think everybody's selling the $10,000 a month or, or the, the lifestyle of working on the beach and stuff like that. And we all know that if you have a hundred clients, you're not working on the beach. No, not you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're like, your phone is blowing up and you're trying to figure out how you're going to still be able to create another post and all these things. And, and now you're insecure and now it's just a mess. Like, yeah. You've got 20 people to respond back to you on text. Your Instagram's flooded with messages. You haven't posted in your Facebook group like that. Your, your Google mess. Docs are overrun with just yeah. crap everywhere. And you're just waiting on five check-ins. You haven't got these forms filled out. Like you're not on a beach with your feet up. Hell, I live at yeah. the beach and I don't even go to the beach. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're so right. And I mean, that, that was why we called it Run the Block, right? And and shouts to to Michael for that. Again, we gave him a couple shouts on here. Uh, Michael for my lead, Michael Clifford. Uh, that, that was what we came up with was, was Run the Block. I think he coined that term because we kept trying to figure that out, but it's so true. I'm curious, like, you know, we, we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but like directly, like what have been some things that have helped you and pull you out of some of your darkest moments, right? Mentioning that you said coming out of, of college, leaving team sports, like you basically it sounded like had to find a new identity, right? And then you, it sounds like you went through something similar when you were at this construction job and then deciding to go back into the fitness world, which yeah. isn't just a switch that you pull, like th th those sounded like really dark moments. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, coming out of college, like, obviously, 
you have all this attention on you right and and you get the spotlight is great but let's not like let's not act like it's not like I, I love the spotlight I love knowing that I'm good at something um and at an early age I learned that very quickly um you know winning 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 you get hooked on winning and then all of a sudden it all falls falls apart and the first thing that happened to me was I started blaming every person or every situation or whatever excuse that I can make of why it happened right not not looking at myself and being like I created this myself the yeah. reason why I got injured I got five season ended injuries but I was also partying a lot right and now we know that alcohol and and division one sports probably don't go very well together that's probably <laughs> why a lot of that's why a lot of very good athletes are probably getting injured too um, because of the mentality and the mindset is there, but the body can't recover. And so when I left college, I was like, all right, well, I like partying. Well, I'm going to go all out, right? Like I'm going to be the best partier out there. Um, and, I, and I was. I mean, if you're going to do something, do, for, do it well. <laughs> for, for the time being, that was, that was my motto, right? And, um, and then it got me into, obviously alcohol is, it's, it's a depressant and it, it got me right. deeper into alcohol, deeper into drugs when I was in New York. And it was just, it was a very, very difficult moment for me to come out of. So that's why one of the reasons why I ended up going back home. And that was hard because it was like, I, I need to become somebody else. I, I need, now I went from a soccer athlete to a partier to like, now I'm back in my hometown. And it's like, what is everybody going to say? So what do I do? And it's like, okay, coaching. And then I got all the attention from coaching and it's like, okay, great. I can be coaching. And then I went into the bodybuilding world and it's like, oh, spotlights on me. I'm the strongest guy and the most jack guy around. And, you know, and, but it's still inside. You're, you're just trying to uh, cover a wound that, that hasn't healed and you haven't addressed. And I've always been very close. I've never really shared a lot. And I think Michael was one of the first people that I opened up to and, and I told them exactly what was going on. And so mentors have been a huge help. Just being able to talk to someone who you feel comfortable. And not only that, I think where you're not being judged, it is really hard with, with my lifestyle and everything that I've gone through to open up to someone and not be judged, right? Because it's like, shit, like some of the stuff that I've done, if you just were to put it out, I think a lot of people would look at it and be like, immediately judge and be like, oh, look at this guy. Um, yeah. But at the same time, if you think about it, like we all have something that one, we're not very happy about, you know, we're everybody's ashamed of something they've done in the past. And I think when everybody understands that, we can all move forward, right? And when you have someone where you're able to take all that stuff out and and just get it out of your system and don't let it, eat you up and then restructure your values, right? Like rethink this question that one, my, my family structure was a, was a mess growing up. We never really had the, the family structure. My parents were always working. I was always away playing soccer. Um, I have three other siblings. We never really developed a, a family dynamic. And so I was always looked at as like the privileged kid. And, and that was really difficult because I, I, in, the, in the most difficult moments, I couldn't speak to my family. I didn't have that support. And so I, was, I had to go and find it somewhere else. And, you know, that, that's, that was tough. But, but I think having, having that, that support is very important to get through these tough moments. My confidence has been always very high. 
I, I developed that at a very young age and, and I always know that I'm going to make it through, but being able to open up, being able to not be judged and having someone who can give it to you straight, right? Because we're always like covering our paths, right? We're always covering our like, oh, maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's because of this. And it's like, no, why don't you just give it to me straight? You know, the answer, you know, you know where you fucked up, you know, where you made a mistake, like acknowledge it and let's move on. Like I said, Michael, Michael was very good at doing that with me. And so I'm very fortunate and, and having multiple mentors around me has, has what's, has got me to move forward overall, right? Like Chris, we talk about Chris with the financial side and the business side, um, overall, just being a really good person to me, you know, we have Michael, we have you that helps us with, with marketing, um, and just building a, um, having multiple mentors. I think it's important. I think that's the only way you're really going to grow. You're going to, you're going to grow from other people's mistakes, learning from other people's mistakes. It's like, if you don't have to make the mistake, don't make it. Um, just go and talk to someone, but being coachable, that was really hard for me to become coachable again with soccer. You know, you got to be coachable if you want to make it to the next level. But then when you lose it all, it's like you lose that skill. You lose the skill of listening. You lose the skill of like, hey, this is what you need to do. You get lazy and you have to rebuild all of that. And just being just being open. I think being open is one of the biggest things that has helped me move forward. You made a mistake. Let it go. Move on. Let's go. Like, don't live in the past. I lived in the past for too long. And I was just angry. I was angry all the time. You know, I was just this angry person that would hide his feelings and um, would come home and just slam down a couple beers and move on like nothing happened. You know, put on a smile. Let's go. Or put on put on your tough face on. I think the question everybody wants to know is what type of beers was it so we can judge you? Oh, IPAs. IPAs. Oh I, love I, I love IPAs. Instant heartburn. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you get into partying for a very long time, you know, obviously you build a tolerance. Yeah. So you need that, you need that strong kick. You you're either going to have eight to 12% beers, yeah, 20 Corona's or, or four IPAs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely something to be said for forgiving yourself, you know, and, and it's not easy to do because that means you have to revisit those times when you were, you know, not for nothing, possibly a piece of shit, whether that was to yourself or mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. And yeah. it's quite the journey. It's not something you just do once. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah. Something you have to like visit and work on and journal or meditate and just mm -hmm. go through them. Uh, I always enjoyed when I was in Arizona and I would do this hot yoga class. This guy always had like the best one-liners. I don't know where he got them from, but, but one of them was like the moment will stay with you until you've learned all you can from it. And then it'll pass by like a leaf on the water. And so it was just, uh, you know, yeah. Taking in, like, you're going to keep reliving those moments in your head until you've learned what you need to and, Till life okay. says, Hey, you've learned that lesson and now you can move on from it. Yeah. And so like, I always liked that. I internalize that. And I was like, that's so true because it, it doesn't mean that, you know, maybe it pops in and out of your head, but if you just wake up one morning and you're like five years ago, why did I say that? <laughs> probably, yeah. Something's yeah. going on there that you should probably revisit it. I swear to goodness. I was just talking with my friend this morning over coffee. And I was like, it was really weird. Two days ago, I woke up and I'd remembered the time when I'd left this facility and why I'd left the facility. And uh, I was just chatting with him back and forth because he, he was at that facility as well. And it's just weird, right? You have those moments. And so I, I knew instantly, I was like, there must be something about that. That's just somewhere ingrained that I haven't worked through that I, I need to let go of because for that just to pop up out of nowhere, 
yeah. after all this time, like something either is like triggering those events that led up to that moment as well in my life now, or something's going on. And so it's, it's very interesting to, to like hear you talk about like just being open and being vulnerable. Do you, do you actually, do you do anything like journaling or meditation or anything to, to pull you through? Or do you just like go for walks or like what, what kind of helps you get, get through those? No, I, I've tried it. I've tried the, the journaling, the writing, but mm-hmm. it's just not me. I like sitting in, I've, I've gotten really comfortable with being in silence and, and almost a little too much where sometimes I like, I should probably talk. I, I think I'm a very, I think I'm very introverted too. Um, so I, I do like my, my alone time. Um, but walks have helped me a lot. Usually, you know, something's up because I'm in like another world. <laughs> I'll be just here. So now staring yeah, at the wall. Just, yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think you and I had that moment when <laughs> Nashville, everybody's just in their own world. And I think that's where like you and I and Michael, like I've been able to connect with you guys because and I, I came back home after Nashville. I came back home and told Andrea about this. I was like, we all sat in the silence in a room. And that was the first time where, <laughs> where it was normal. Like it, it was, it wasn't like somebody was like, what's up with you? Why are you so quiet or something like that? Right. Everybody was able to, everybody understood what was going on. Um, everybody had stuff on their head and it was just, everybody was either reflecting or, or, or planning something out. And we were all comfortable with sitting in a room in silence and respecting each other's time. And I think that was a really cool experience for me to be around people that I was like, oh man, there's more people like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's, I mean? it's weird um, when you're around people that are comfortable being silent, you know, because if you just sit there and nothing's said and everyone's just cool with it, no one's like awkwardly pacing or doing like, you're like, oh yeah, these are my people. This, <laughs> yeah, this is this is them. But I think if you can't sit in silence, you're distracted, and and it, it or you have something that you're trying to distract yourself from, right? Mm -hmm. And you talk about that thing that always pops up in your head. And I had a really difficult time before when I was in my dark moments of being alone. Like, I need to go out. I need to go be with someone or I I, I can't sit by myself. Um, And realistically, I couldn't sit with myself, like literally, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't be in my own head. And I think there's, there's a saying something about, you know, when you go to bed and your pillow, like your pillow knows everything, right? Like <laughs> only you and your pillow. Like when you go yeah. home, when you go to bed, you take everything to bed. And, and those are the things that haunt you. Those are, those are the, those are the guys that go out. Uh, I think Tim Grover was talking about it. The the people in the closet come out at night and either you got to take them on you got, you got to dance with them. But if you try to avoid them, it just gets going to get worse and worse. And, and, you know, we are who we are, man. We are who we are. We're continuing to mature. I think for me, it's been, I've matured a lot over the last 10 years and you just have to accept, accept it for what it is. You've made a lot of mistakes in the past. You've been, you know, you've been shit to yourself. You've been shit to other people. But if, if you continue the same behavior and you're continuing to make the same mistakes, then maybe, maybe you need to have a sit down with yourself. But, you know, if you're learning from your experiences, then great. It's just a moment. It's a face in your life. And, and I hope that something good comes out of that. You know, um, if I wouldn't have made those mistakes in college, like the way I think about it now, working with the youth, it's like, how am I going to teach the other young soccer athletes that I'm working with that I can help them get to the next level? If I didn't go through that behavior, how am I going to tell them about that behavior exists? Right? Like, and, and how can I help them avoid all of that, that I went through? 
you know, if, if I did something bad to someone, then how can I tell somebody else or the new generation of how to not do that? And so somebody has to unfortunately make those mistakes, you know, and if you already have them under your belt and just use it for good, use it for good in the future and warn people of what's ahead. You know, there's no book for the world. There's no book for life. Like you're going to run into walls and just hope that that wall doesn't, you know, put you behind bars because that's, that's a lot of, a lot of times for some people, that's where it all ends. You know, you make a mistake, you go too far right, too far left. And, and all of a sudden your time's out. So just be grateful for the moment that we have and be grateful for, for these opportunities and, and use, use your mistakes to help others. Use your mistakes, make something positive out of some of a bad situation. And that, I think that's when we can all do that as, as, as a population, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to develop. And, you know, social media is, is a difficult thing right now, which it's, it's putting a lot of people down, but you just got to keep it real with people. And it, we got to make an effort to continue to make this world a better place. You don't have to change a million people. If you can change one person, if you can change two people, you can change yourself like you already won. You know, and, that, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's about. it's about moving forward. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to ask you a couple questions relating to like advice for other coaches or for people to start now, but I think that was perfect. That was, that was it. <laughs> that, that was it. I think you nailed it. So thank you for finishing the interview by yourself. <laughs> uh, dude, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know you do have to run at the, at the top of the hour. You told me how much time you had. Where can people find you, find out what you're doing in case they're, you know, they are a coach or maybe they have a facility and they're, they're just trying to learn more or see what other coaches are doing. Like, how can they follow you or, you know, like yeah. take, take a peek into what you guys are doing in the culture you're creating in Cali. Yeah. It's uh CDS training, uh, CDIAZ uh, training. And then our, that's my personal. And then our Instagram for our business is envision underscore fitness underscore nutrition. It's a little bit long. Envision underscore us. nutrition underscore fitness. Envision underscore fitness underscore nutrition. Got it. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'll make sure I add those in the show notes for everybody as well. Mm-hmm. Dude, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Guys, I hope you really got got some big takeaways from this. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you have a big enough goal and, and find the right people, I think you can make anything happen. And And I think that's what Christian's saying here, especially because I think he's taken a passion and made an obsession and now anyone who's coming along is, is going to win with them. So dude, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course, dude. Thanks for earning experience points with us today on Run the Block, part of the Cam Explains Immersion channel. If you actually want to work with me or my team at No Clouds Media, connect with me on Instagram at cam.explains. There you'll find even more helpful content tips, growth strategies, our latest downloads, or if nothing else, I can guarantee you'll get a good laugh of myself or our pup Oliver throughout the day. Just hit me up at cam.explains. Bonus, if you are following me on Instagram, you also get first dibs on limited spots for the community we're building inside of our network, where we will have tons of free resources, overtime sessions, networking events, special guests, and much more planned as we grow. So be sure to follow along at camp.explains, and we will see you for your next session of Run the Block to earn even more experience points. Hope this helps, and remember, kindness. Pass it on. Bye for now.